Hello, welcome to our Lighthouse podcast. We hope that this message brings inspiration and intent to your day. Last week, if you weren't here, we just talked about, I'm not going to do it today, but we just talked a little bit about Annette and I had been in uh, doing what we've done in many years, which is train and equip essentially young adult leaders to plant churches. Lighthouse has planted uh, or worked alongside Stephen Malin Wyndham. Uh, who oversee uh, Europe for church planting, and uh, we've planted or partnered with them for about 35 churches uh, throughout Europe. And uh, the good thing is, this time, though it was difficult, uh, we felt both sad and blessed to be uh, amongst the Ukrainian refugees uh, for about 10 days there while we were there, meeting probably around about 200 refugees and hearing their story, uh, which was very sad, of course, and also being able to offer help financially. Lighthouse was able to do that. So far, we've raised nearly $20,000. We've given nearly all of that away. I think this week, uh, we had a connection. Some of you might have heard on I-98 uh, while I was away. Uh, they interviewed me over that, and I'm going to uh, connect to that again this week, hopefully, or next week, and see if, as a city, we can raise money for Ukraine as well because the need is great and there's a lot more there to do. Well, today, I want to talk about miracles. Is that okay? I want to talk about miracles, miracles in the madness of life that we see. There's a few things I want to do today. One is I want to teach you uh, about miracles. Two, I want to lift your faith. That's important because you might find yourself head down. I often talk to my own leadership team about not leading with your head down. You must uh, look up regularly and I want you to be able to look up today, look to the Lord. So I'm going to teach you about faith. I'm going to inspire you to lift your faith. We're going to tell some stories from the Bible about faith, where faith put to work made a difference and changed the circumstance. And at the end, I want to share a really exciting thing that's happened to Lighthouse over recent months uh, that is an absolute miracle uh, financially and has helped us and has set us up for the future. So you ready? Two of you, fantastic. Well, great. Two people are ready this morning. You know, Jesus says or uses words like this, uh, nothing is impossible. Or he says uh, in uh, Mark chapter 9, he says, everything is possible for God. And I think when we're caught up in life and doing things day by day by day, we forget that we serve a miracle-working God. And it's worthwhile sometimes pausing. It's worthwhile sometimes stopping and thinking about the kind of miraculous God that we have, the kind of God that can interrupt weather patterns, the kind of God that can change the molecular structure of water and turn it into wine, the kind of God that uh, can hardwire a person's brain and make the connection again between whatever's going wrong in the optical nerve and his visual cortex. In other words, he can make somebody who's blind see again. I mean, we, I don't know about you, but I've been around this dialogue most of my life, and to say it is easy, but to pray for somebody, to speak to somebody who is blind and now they see, to talk to a storm and it goes quiet, to uh, raise somebody from the dead, to walk on water, though that seems physically impossible, for Jesus to do all those things, he is credentialed to say, nothing is impossible for me. He's not just, you know, sort of tossing it out there, you know, saying something that's a theory, but he hasn't backed it up with practice. Jesus, when he says there is nothing impossible for him, 
and that everything is possible for him says it because we've watched and seen him do it throughout history. Because I've shared with you before, I think a couple of years ago, uh, I can't remember, who knows with everything going on, right? But it was probably a couple of years. I did a series called The Power of You. And I read to you from John 14, 13, which Jesus saying of you, by the way, I tell you the truth, anyone who believed in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. I mean, that in itself is a scary, uh, concerning scripture. We just described the amazing miracles that Jesus can do. And then Jesus almost flippantly turns around and says, well, don't worry, you I mean you, you will do those things and more that I could do. And when I did that series, I challenged us and I said, maybe the problem with the miraculous is not God. Maybe it's that we forget the power of us, our important part in the equation that requires our faith, our partnership. And maybe the problem is not God not willing to do miracles, but our unwillingness to have faith to see those things happen. And I want to go in a slightly different direction with that today so I can Uh, end with praying with you to believe for miracles in your life. You know, impossibilities are relative. Impossibilities are relative. So to a newborn, walking is impossible. Give them, however, uh, a little bit of time. I've got my little grandson, Arthur, here today. He's six months. You know, it doesn't matter how much I tell him to walk, he's not going to walk but give him another six months and he'll be running all over the place. And so sometimes the difference between impossible and possible is actually just time. So impossible and possible is relative in terms of not everything, but certainly some things will just change in time. And I wanted to say that because some of you need to hear that you need to not quit. Don't quit because what you're hoping for the direction you want to go and the answers you want, some of those things are simply just a matter of time. And if you quit before your time, if you quit before God finishes his work, if you give up before God completes what he started in you, then you've forgotten that sometimes the difference is you just need time. Did you know your marriage The solution to your marriage when it's in trouble sometimes is you just need to give it some time. Just give it some time. Time alone won't do it, but time enough to get counseling, time enough to get help, time enough to talk with somebody, time enough to work through issues. Sometimes the only difference between the impossible and possible is time. If you were to take a two or three-year-old who hasn't learnt uh, mathematics, addition, subtraction, um, to them the simplest equation is impossible. So to a two-year-old giving them a math, math equation, they're not going to be able to do it. It seems impossible, but give them a few lessons. Teach them a few mathematical principles, and they will get to know how to solve what is impossible. I say that to say because sometimes knowledge is the only difference between impossible and possible. Sometimes, and if you know what we've been talking about around here for the last year or so, is sometimes in order for you to get what God is trying to do through you, the miracle you need, sometimes you have to unlearn what you know in order to learn what you need to know. Sometimes you need to add knowledge to what you do. So sometimes the difference between impossible and possible is knowledge. But there's something I can tell you for sure. 
when it comes to the spiritual realm, faith is the only difference between impossible and possible. I'm going to say it again. When it comes to the spiritual realm, those things that you're believing beyond your natural ability, the only difference is not whether it can be done or not. The difference is faith. Would you be willing to believe that God can do it? You know, I don't know about you, but I'm very practical. And one of my strengths and weaknesses is uh, my strength is my ability to think through things. I'm a problem solver. I love solutions. I was taught to be a solve, uh, a solution-orientated person. But it's also my weakness. Because whenever I need a miracle, I try to figure out how it's going to happen. But sometimes, instead of trying to figure out how it's happening, you know, sometimes my posture should be, God, this is impossible. My faith is in you to solve it. My faith is in you to come through. And so faith, when it comes to the spiritual realm, faith is a development issue. You grow in faith. And what I know is this, in the madness of the last three years, it's possible that you've got such, your head such down into trying to solve life trying to solve situations, that you've forgotten that some of those things don't require your solution. They require a building of your faith and a trust in God beyond what you've done ever before. You know, I remember, uh, you know, as you get older, you do a lot of reminiscing, don't you? So bear with me for a moment. I was 13 years of age here at Lighthouse when I became a connect group leader. I forget what we called them back then, you know. They've changed it about 50 times over the years. They're essentially a small group, which is what we've been doing for years. And I was 13, I started leading my small group. And uh, I think sometimes what we think is that uh, leaders uh, are just good at what they do because they're leaders, but actually leaders aren't just good at what they do, Christian leaders that is. Christian leaders are good at what they do because they recognize the element of faith required to do what they do. You know, as a business leader today, as a, a teacher, somebody who's working in the medical field, the only solution to your current trajectory is not just more skills. Sometimes it's going to need more faith. Sometimes in order for you to go where you need to go is faith. And I remember at 13 years of age, uh, I, I, I sort of didn't really have the skill. Somebody taught me. But what really helped me was I had to trust God for the, the little group of people that I got given at 13. You know why? Because who's been a connect leader? What's the big thing as a connect? You're just hoping your people turn up every Tuesday night. right? That, that requires faith right there. You've got the chip and dips out. <laughs> you know, you've, you've got Coke and, you know, water for those that won't have the sugar stuff. And you've got everything ready to go. It's going to be a great night. And of course, out of the potential 10 people that could turn up, three do. And you have to keep applying faith because one of the things you'll find as you lead or around people is you have to navigate disappointment, what you thought somebody would do but don't end up doing. And it was a good lesson at 13 to say, this can't be all about how I feel. This can't be all about what I know. Some of this must be what I trust God for on behalf of others. I remember when I... Uh, started being youth leader here or youth pastor. It wasn't skill that got me through. Ultimately, it was the fact that I was willing to trust God to work in young people. Regularly, I found God bringing my skill, my uh, acumen, those things I thought that would build a great youth ministry. I regularly found God bringing those to zero so that my only option was to trust God in all that I was doing. Don't be, don't be scared of zero in your life. Don't be scared of not knowing. 
Don't be scared of not having the answers. I think one of the challenges for us, church, is that we seek answers that God's not wanting to answer just yet. God's not wanting to give you answers until you're willing to put faith in action. Let me put this another way. If your faith is dead this morning, you say, my Christianity is dead. Or maybe you're a church kid. Maybe you're like me, a teenager. Not, not now. That's over-reminiscing. When I was a teenager, there's this funny thing that happens. Listen to me, teenagers. I'm going to help you recognize why you feel dull about God and church. That's what happens. There's a dull time as a teenager. It's not everybody, but, but generally speaking, where you're just like, what am I doing listening to that guy? Why am I here every Sunday? Goodness me. Parents are still going to throw you in the back and you're kicking and screaming. I get it. But one of the reasons is because when you're a child, both in faith and literally. Your faith is dependent around what your parents believe. But the only way you move from boring Christianity to life-giving Christianity is you require moments that insist you apply faith. So unless you get a situation where you need to trust God, where you have to go out on a limb, where you actually have to say, my parent, this is not my parents, this is me having to pray to God and me having to trust God to come through. Unless you have that moment, you don't move from childlike faith to maturity. Your mature faith needs trouble so you can apply faith beyond what you could possibly do. God will always bring difficulty and challenge so that you would trust him and grow and mature. Don't despise the days of not knowing. I had to leave my, I left my career. I was in the building industry, you know. I was a project manager. Lighthouse said, we're going to employ you, Paul, to be youth pastor. Great news. Bad news is we can't pay you. Not so good news. But I knew that call of God was on me, not on the church alone. And I knew that if God was calling me, then it was up to God to supply an income for me, not just the church at the time. And I knew for me that that was something I had to trust God for. You always want to be put in a situation. I remember when we became senior pastors here, and just a few weeks after Annette's dad, my pastor, Joan's husband, passed away three weeks after he died. I remember in that moment, I had to trust God because I didn't know what to do. I thought somebody was going to help me do this thing. And then next thing you know, I found myself trusting God. I'm saying all that to say today that whatever situation you face, God is looking for you to trust Him. He's wanting you to trust Him because when you elevate your faith, you elevate possibility and you limit impossibility. You never lose trusting God. And I think God wants to help us today. There's an um, 18th century, century theologian, her name is Soren Kierkegaard. says this, if I wish to wish for anything, if I were to wish for anything, I should not wish for wealth and power, but for the passionate sense of potential, for the eye which every young and ardent sees the possible. Pleasure disappoints, possibility never. And what wine is so sparkling, what's so fragrant, what's so intoxicating as possibility? Our lives should be filled with possibility, opportunity for you to get down on your knees from time to time and say, God, this will not happen. This will not occur unless you come through. I can only imagine 
if you're a business leader in these last few years, the trouble, the difficulty you've had to face trying to keep your business going. And I hope even as you move forward into that next season of your business, I hope that part of that journey includes knee sitting. I hope that part of that journey of you becoming all that you want to be in business, you becoming all that you want to be in career, I hope that part of that journey is not an accumulation of your great skill and talent or mine, but in fact it finds you at some point on your knees and saying, God, this will not go forward unless you intervene, unless you do something miraculous, something that I couldn't possibly do. Jeremiah 32, 27. I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? That's not a rhetorical question. He's not asking for answers. He's reminding us again that just in case you thought of something, it's not too hard. After you spend hours and hours and hours of a list of things you want to present to God that he could not possibly do, God says, no, that's not on the list. I can do that. I will do that. I want to do that. There's this weird little story in 2 Kings chapter 6. I read it uh, several times. It's about um, Elisha. I'm going to read it in just a second. He's getting together a group of prophets. The prophet industry is going well. And uh, he wants to train more of them, as you do. And apparently, according to his young little apprentices, there's uh, not enough room in the little small place that they're gathering, and they decide they should build something bigger. So this is what happens. One day, the group of prophets came to Elisha. They told him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs, and there we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us. And someone suggested, I will, he said. And so he went with them. And when they arrived at Jordan, they began cutting down the trees. As one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river and said, Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall, Elisha said. And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick, threw it in the water at that spot, and the axe head floated to the surface. Well, how weird is that? That's just weird. I mean, sometimes I think about miracles and think, well, why bother? Just get, like, get another act. Right, what's the big show? I mean, and here we are, and it's interesting to watch that these young men, in that moment, unlike Elisha, and I don't know, I wasn't there, but clearly it wasn't in view of them to see. Clearly it was obviously deeper water, otherwise they would have seen it. And what, what I do know is this, that, that that young man that dropped it, in his mind, it was done. In his mind, there's no thought that there's a miracle, that this thing, iron axe head, that's definitely going to sink, there's no thought that that's going to come up all by itself. And yet Elisha did. Elisha knew. Elisha knew because he said, well, where did it fall? You don't ask where would it fall if you don't have some kind of hope that that thing's going to get raised. But in those young men's mind, I think what's interesting is they're going to build a school. This is what we do. They're going to build a school to raise up prophets where they're going to learn about the prophetic, where they're going to uh, teach God's people and instruct God's people. They think that all of the learning is going to go on inside the building, yet God takes them out. Forget the building. You don't need the building to learn, he said. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take you out in real life, and I'm going to show you what it means to trust God to do something unusual. 
I'm glad that you're here today and I'm glad that you're listening to me teach you, but actually what you need for a miracle is to be out there in real life situations and this week when you face something difficult, I'm going to hope right now that you say, I just heard in the classroom, God does miracles and this looks like, sounds like, tastes like, smells like a moment of impossibility that needs a miracle. And I'm going to, before I panic, or I ring my mother, before I stomp my feet, I am going to pray, God, float the axe head. I wonder what there is right now in your life. What, what kind of axe head needs floating in your life? Where you just have instantly thought that that's impossible. There's two things could have gone on. One, it's impossible. Two, like I just said in a joke, which is, well, what does it matter? Oh, it's too small. Don't annoy God with those sorts of things. Huh. I think the only way we grow in faith, the only way we grow in faith is if we experience a situation where we need miracles again. I'll just read one more story to you, then we're done. Matthew 17, 24. By the way, Jesus says this. He says, you have not because you ask not. I think my problem most of the time is not that I don't always not believe in God. I just forget to ask. I just go on and I try to solve it all by myself all the time. Matthew 17, 24, an interesting one. On their arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, doesn't your teacher pay temple tax? Yes, he does. Peter replied, and then he went into the house. But before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, what do you think, Peter? The king's tax, do kings tax their own people for the people they have conquered? They tax the people they have conquered, Peter said. Well then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. Verse 27, he says, however, we don't want to offend them, so go down to the lake and throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you'll find a large silver coin in it. Take it and pay taxes. How wild is that? I mean, goodness me. Right? I mean, why not, Peter, just, Peter, walk 10 paces, go left one. It's on the ground there, just pick it up. I mean, send him down to the shore, to a fish. Find that first fish, and inside that fish is a silver coin. I mean, that's an incredible, right? And I often think about that. And I often think, what would Peter think? And I often think, why would Peter even do that? But here's a really important thing. Jesus was not just doing a miracle. He was doing it for Peter because Peter was a really good fisherman. In fact, we could call this Peter's proficiency, Peter's skill, what Peter does well. I'm going to suggest to you, I don't know, I wasn't there, but I'm going to suggest that over the years, Peter has probably caught tens of thousands of fish. I'm going to suggest to you that Peter knows how to fish, he's good at it, and he's done it for decades. Maybe not decades, it wasn't that old. He's done it a long time. The point is this, he's good. And of all the things Jesus decides to choose where the miracle is going to take place, he doesn't, in this case, use the weaknesses of Peter. He uses his strength. 
And he's reminding Peter of something that's very, very important, something I've had to learn, is that Jesus sent him down to the fish because in Peter's brain, he would know, he knows everything about fishing and there's no way there's a coin going to be in that fish. I can tell you, Jesus, that I've caught tens of thousands of fish and not one of them has had a silver coin in them. Listen, give me something I don't know. You know, I'm on to this, don't. And I want to suggest to you today that while strength is good, sometimes it's our weakness and that the area that God is going to test you in is in the area that you think you know all about it. I'm good, Jesus. Don't bother. I've got this. I've been doing this for years. And we miss out on the miracle because in our areas of proficiency and our areas of self-sufficiency, we miss the miracle because we couldn't imagine that God could do something different to what we absolutely know to be true. One of our great challenges is our overconfidence. I want to ask you in your self-sufficiency today, I want to ask you in your proficiency, that thing which you're most skilled, qualified to do and know how to lead or live, would you be willing to let Jesus say, there's a different way, there's more, you haven't seen it all? It's sometimes easy to get Jesus involved in the weak moments. It's extra hard to get Jesus involved in the moments where we're most self-confident. I find a better way to live is that we just, like Peter did, strangely, as difficult as he may seem, Peter was willing to, even though he was the expert in that field, he was willing to do what Jesus asked, no matter how unusual it was. He still walked down to the edge, he still caught the fish, and he still opened its mouth, not knowing at that point whether that was really going to happen. God can make provision for you in ways you could never imagine. You know, as we finish today, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. I believe you've probably got some miracles in your life. I believe there's probably a couple of groups of people here today. There's some who are desperate for answers and you haven't been able to receive them. Number two, there's probably another group of people who, until this moment, you feel pretty good about things and you've let God in every area of weakness, but you haven't let him into your strengths. You've let him into all those bits that are missing, but not the ones that you feel are complete, full, your areas of confidence. Those two, he wants to be a part of as well. You know, I believe in the day of miracles. I believe that God is doing miracles. I believe he did them before and he wants to do them again. I believe that you are a miracle, that you've been transformed through Jesus. I believe that this is not over. I believe that you have more things that God wants you to do. I believe those stuck moments that you feel entrenched in and can't move forward. Maybe it's a sickness that you've been holding on to for a long time, a sickness that you can't shake. I believe that God wants to do a miracle. Maybe you and I, I do too, when you have a long-term injury or sickness, you just get used to it and you make good. And that's okay, I get that, because sometimes you just got to do that to cope. But maybe today God's rekindling the thought, when was the last time you believed? Or maybe He's saying, believe again for a miracle. Believe again for your health. Believe again for your mental health. Ooh. Hello. You're there. You sneak up. And I think today that God wants to lift your faith. 
You know, I want to share, as I said before I prayed for you, I want to share. We had a great miracle in recent months. You know, we've always taught a giving culture in and around here at Lighthouse. And some of you may or may not know that we have, we own two, we have two locations. We have about, had about $2.4 million debt across both of those. And one of those was holding, part of that debt was holding this as collateral. I got nervous a few years ago because when things were getting tight and we wondered whether we might have to sell one of our buildings, we didn't want to, but if we had to, uh, we knew the bank wasn't selling the wool shed, they'd be selling this one because this one was easier to sell. And to have this as collateral, you know, anytime things got financially tight, our, our home was never a good thing. Anyway, the great news was that a family at Lighthouse, uh, through different circumstances, were able to give uh, extremely generously and uh, in such a way that uh, it almost, uh, well, it could have, but we chose not to do it, but it cleared our debt and it put a significant amount of money in the bank. It means that Lighthouse is no longer carrying the debt that we've been carrying for 15 years. It means that the, the $12,000, the $12,000 of, by the way, which used to every board meeting, the $12,000 of interest only payments that we're making for years, interest only, because we didn't have the additional money to pay principal. It's done, it's finished, it's gone. It means that we can put money into redeveloping this site ultimately. We can put money into, again, going back into our community and doing the things we've always wanted to do. It is by far one of the great miracles I've seen happen at Lighthouse. It's an amazing thing. I think about Pastor Bill Jones. He used to say, if, you're, if you've been around a long time, Pastor Bill, he used to, he did it literally. He'd bring a wheelbarrow. He got a word from God he's going to get a wheelbarrow full of money. So you get nervous about offerings. Bill, had the, he'd have the wheelbarrow on stage. We just, you, you know, we used to use buckets. He, he was using wheelbarrows. But he was always believing for one day there would be a miraculous offering that would free Lighthouse. A million dollars. Well, he was, his faith was low. That was a bit of inflation, I suppose. And there it was. Cleared. We want you to know that because sometimes it's good to get good news, right? Sometimes it's good to know that God believes in what we're doing around here. And we've had to hold on to it a little bit because we want to make sure we're, we've had a team of people, really wise people, talking. And we've been talking about how to invest that and what to do with it. But I think the big thing is that it just it sets us up for the next decade of things that we want to do. So I want you to celebrate that. I want you to feel good about that. I want us most of all to thank God for that because it really, really is an incredible thing. Why don't you stand this morning? I want you to lift your hands because you, some of you came with a heavy heart. Some of you came this morning. If, don't worry about lifting your hands. It's not, a, it's not a Pentecostal thing. It's a surrender thing. So come on, let's do that this morning. Just lift your hands. It won't hurt you. Because I want us to, first of all, we want to say, let me just pray, pray this first. Father, we thank you for the miracle of finance that came to us recently. We thank you for the breakthrough of decades of, of uh, sometimes tightness and trouble financially. But Lord, that you were able to release this church. Lord, proving that this church continues to have a great future. You've not forgotten the next generation. God, that you have not put aside the prayers that we have prayed to you over the years. We thank you for that, Lord. We celebrate that today. But Lord, there are people here today 
Lord, that they too are looking for a miracle. Maybe it is financial. There are people here today who carry sickness in their body. God, there are people who today have family members who don't yet follow you, or maybe they used to. Lord, there are people here today that have marriage or relational issues that they feel like giving up. God, we pray. We ask you, Lord, do a miracle in these people's lives. We pray today, Lord, we know that you are a miracle-working God. Come on, why don't you just begin to tell God what it is that you're believing for. God, we believe today for a miracle, that nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. I want you to think of that thing that's troubling you. I particularly want to pray for our business leaders. Because you've had to go through some trouble. But as we said today, there's two types of troubles. Your area of lack, but also your area of proficiency. Some of your limit is not your lack. Some of your limit is your confidence. The areas that you've done it well for years. Lord, I pray for our business community. I pray, God, that their next season would be marked by one of trust and faith. I pray, Lord, that their uh, discernment on business matters would be, Lord, sprinkled with faith, not just knowledge. I pray, God, that in faith they will open up and innovate they would create, they would design. Lord, they would think of things never thought of before. I pray, Lord, that in this room, the business leaders would be innovative in a way that changes society. I pray for those in health, medicine, education. Lord, I pray that you would give them the kind of faith to believe for not just healing in those places that they work, not just a new thought in education, but I pray for innovative thought across all of those areas, that we would be leaders in spheres of society, I pray. And lastly, Lord, I pray for those who are sick today. Oh God, I pray right now, if you just lift your hand if you're sick or if it's not embarrassing, just put your hand on the part of your body that's unwell. And God, I pray right now, as we lift our faith together as your body, we pray right now, God, that you would bring healing right now in Jesus' name. You bring healing right now to every person today. We believe you can do the impossible today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, why don't you give the Lord a hand this morning? Thank you for listening. Please connect with us at a different light.com.au or join us at one of our Sunday gatherings.